well, since, uh, since January. Anybody know? Covenant. So, covenant. so I think we're going to finish up with that today. We've been on it a good long while. Uh, now, I'm, today, to, for the most, to, to be most effective, there's a lot of scriptures here today. And uh, they'll be on the screen. And uh, I'm not going to give you time to look them all up because it would add an hour and a half to, to the service. So uh, they'll be on the screen. You can write the scripture references down. But for your convenience, I've got all the scriptures right here. And so if you want to just sit and listen, jot a few notes maybe as you go. And, uh, and I'll put the scriptures up here. There's plenty of copies there. You can come up and get the scriptures. Uh, and I recommend you do look them up. And always check out what I say and line it up with the Bible. Is that right? Okay. But uh, just uh, might be good. Just sit there and, in, and enjoy this and let your spirit receive what the word has to say. Certainly, you know, take some notes. But if you, I'm not going to give you time to look up all the verses because it would add a whole hour on. So anyway, let's get, uh, let's get to it. So we've been talking about covenants. We'll close it up today. Have you learned anything about covenants of the Bible? If nothing else, it's been a good review. Now, we've mainly talked about three covenants, and several listed in the Bible, but mainly talked about three covenants, the Abrahamic covenant. We spent a lot of time on that. It's an eternal covenant, and it has to do with the promised seed, not just Isaac. That wasn't who promised seed was all about. Who was the promised seed? Jesus. And has to, of course, Jesus came through Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on and so forth, all the way down, according to the flesh. You know, when we say according to the flesh, you know what that means, don't you? I mean, Jesus was 100% God and 100% human. And so when we say according to the flesh, the, the human part of him came down from Abra Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. You understand that, that line? And so when God promised Abraham seed, that's what he was actually talking about, the Lord Jesus coming, born of a virgin, you know. But we've talked about the Abrahamic covenant, eternal covenant, and, uh, and it all had to do with Jesus and put your faith in him and you'll be saved, okay? And then we talked about the Mosaic covenant, and that was also known as the Old Covenant. So when people talk about the Old Covenant, really what they're talking about is the Mosaic covenant, not the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant. And it's also known as the law. We told you all that. And remember the Mosaic covenant, the old covenant was temporary. See the Abrahamic covenant's eternal. The Mosaic company, uh, covenant was temporary. And the main purpose of it, now we, we talked for a long time about all of what the Mosaic covenant was. But the main purpose of it, the main purpose of it was to point people, bring people to Jesus Christ. And of course we understand the old covenant has now, the law has now passed away. Jesus came, he fulfilled it all on our behalf. And it, and it passed away. But then we talked about the new covenant, which of course is better than the old covenant, better than the Mosaic covenant, better than the law of Moses. And we live under that new covenant Today, and we taught you that really the new covenant is just the ratification or the complete legalization of the Abrahamic covenant. And, uh, and Jesus did that when he died on Calvary's cross, shed his blood, you know, was raised from the dead and all. Remember, what does covenant mean? It means, what does it mean? It means to, anybody remember? It means to... What does the word covenant mean? It means, it means to, it means to shedding of, to cut, to cut, right? With the shedding of blood. You all remember that? You remember that? And Jesus was cut, wasn't he? More than that. He was beaten and crucified and, and he shed his blood on Calvary's cross, ratifying the Abrahamic covenant. Oh, just a little review there. Now, what I want to talk about today as we close this up, this series, is our position in the new covenant. Our position in the new covenant. What is our position in the new covenant? Our position, our place, 
Our position, your position, my position, our position in the new covenant. So let's talk about that. First of all, let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter, and the 12th verse. It'll be on the screen. Ephesians 2.12. Now notice what the Bible says. That at that time, now what time? At that time, what time? Well, it tells us. You were without Christ. This is talking about a time when you and I were without Christ. Being aliens, think about that, aliens, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. You see, before we came to Jesus Christ, we were outside the covenant of God. That is a dangerous place to be. And notice as we read on, strangers, see, before we came to Christ, we were strangers, aliens from the covenant of promise, having no hope. See, outside the new covenant, there's no hope. And outside the new covenant, without God. In the world. That's a terrible place to be, isn't it? But now, I'm glad there's a but now. <laughs> in, see, in Christ Jesus. When you say, when you see in Christ Jesus, you could also put there in the new covenant. Didn't he say when at the last supper, he said, This is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you? Remember that? So when you're in Christ Jesus, you're in the new covenant. Now, if you're not in Christ Jesus, you're not in the new covenant. Remember, the new covenant was just the ratification of the Abrahamic covenant. And, and, and when you're in that new covenant, you're in Christ. I like what one preacher said. He said, we look a whole lot better in Christ than we do out of Christ. And, uh, but if to say in Christ is another way of saying in the new covenant. Okay? Now, notice verse 13, but now, say but now, but now in Christ Jesus, in the new covenant, you who were once far off. See, before we got in the new covenant, we were far off from God, without hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, he was cut, wasn't he? The covenant means to cut with the shedding of blood. And you see, it's the blood of Christ that brings us into the new covenant and near to God. The Bible says in another verse that he made, Jesus made peace between man and God through the blood of his cross. So I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. I know y'all. You want to be in the new covenant, don't you? Because outside, see, we're talking about our position in the new covenant, but I wanted to start out by showing you that outside of it, we're, we were aliens. We were strangers. We had no hope. We were without God. Without God. But now in Christ Jesus, we who once were far off, We've been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. Notice verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Now, that's good news, isn't it? But fellow citizens, fellow citizens and the saints, with the saints, and members, and watch this, members of the household of God. Now, that is good news. See, when we place our faith in Jesus, we become members of the household of God. Now, that is, that is the greatest honor there is in the whole world. To be members of the household of God. Let's read that again, verse 19. You're no longer strangers and foreigners. When you come to Jesus, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, let's, in, in the Amplified Bible, classic Amplified, 
they had that amplified for all those years, wonderful, and then they made some changes. And I don't, some of the changes in the new one, I don't really, I like the old amplified, so they call that the amplified classic. That's the one we use. You know, we, we use King James, New King James. If you're studying, read it in the King James, read it in the New King James, read it in the Amplified, read it in the NIV, read it in New Living Translation. And by the time you read all those, you should, you should have a pretty good idea what God's saying. And then, of course, we, you know, there's all kinds of study books, Strong's Concordance, all these different books. But anyway, let's read Ephesians 2, verse 11 in the Amplified Classic. And this just brings out just how far, what, what a sad shape we were in outside the new covenant. Look at verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles, heathens. <laughs> I don't like being a heathen, do you? I didn't like being a heathen. I was a heathen at one point when I was a kid, but I don't, I don't like being a heathen. Gentiles, heathens in the flesh called uncircumcision by those who call themselves circumcision. In other words, the Jews called the Gentiles heathens, uncircumcised heathens, Gentiles. Did you know before we got saved we were uncircumcised Philistines? Did you know that? Did you, do you realize that? Before we got saved, you, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me, before we came to Jesus... We were in the same boat as Goliath the giant. Everybody, anybody remember Goliath the giant? Remember David called him a what? An uncircumcised Philistine. Well, you and I, before we came to Jesus, outside the new covenant, you and I were both uncircumcised Philistines, so to speak. I don't want to be an uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> but that's where we were. And then remember, verse 12, and, and it goes on to say here in verse 11, called uncircumcision by those who are called themselves circumcision, itself a mere mark. See, circumcision is just a mere mark in the flesh made by human hands. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated, living apart from Christ, excluded from all part of Him, utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of Israel as a nation, and strangers with no share in the sacred compacts or covenants of the messianic promise, with no knowledge of or right in God's agreements, in His covenants, and you had no hope, no promise, you were in the world without God. Now that was our position before we got positioned in the new covenant. That's, a, again, a bad place to be. We don't ever need to forget just what we were without Jesus. We don't ever need to forget that. We don't need to dwell on it, but we, we, but we need to remember without Him, we were, what, uncircumcised Philistine heathens on our way to hell. Is that right? Absolutely. I don't care how moral you think you were in the eyes of God, outside the new covenant, He sees people as uncircumcised heathens. Is that right? He, he just does. But is it good to know he didn't leave us that way? He made a provision. He spoke to a man some 4,000 years ago named Abraham, Abram, right? Changed the name to Abraham, cut a covenant with him, right? Brought Jesus in, in some 2,000 years after Abraham, 2,000 years back from our time. And he died on Calvary's cross, cut the, cut that, ratified that covenant that God made with Abraham. And as a result now, when we place our faith in him, we don't have to be uncircumcised heathen no more. We get placed in the new covenant and we're brought near to God. And what do we say? We're members of the what? The household of God. Now, if you look at Ephesians 1, verse 13, how does one get positioned in the new covenant? Now, I'm not telling you all anything you don't already know, but it's good to review. This will be in the NIV. It says, and you also were included in Christ. Now, when we say in Christ, we could say in the new covenant. You were also included in the new covenant, in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having what? Having, 
having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when you heard the gospel, you believed. That's when the Holy Spirit went to work and marked you and sealed you and placed you inside the new covenant. Now, I like Colossians 1 verse 12. Let's go there. It's a King James Version. Uh, Colossians 1 12. Watch this. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet. That word meet means qualified. He's made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance. Did you know that God has an inheritance? How would you like it if uh, somebody was $60 billion if you were their sole heir? And they died. Now you wouldn't like it that they died, but if they did, guess who gets the $60 billion? Huh? You get the $60 billion, don't you? So wouldn't you want, wouldn't you, I mean, inheritance would be a good thing for you right there, wouldn't it be? Well, how many of you know God's got more than 60 billion? He's got more than 100, he's got more than 25 trillion, doesn't he? Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance. And you really start studying into the inheritance of God, money's the least of it. I said money's the least of it. Money is the least of it. Do you know in prosperity, money is the least of prosperity? I said money is the least of it. Because you can have all the money in the world, but if you're not in the new covenant, guess where you're going when you die? That's not, that's not prosperity, is it? And then again, you can have all the money in the world and have cancer eating away at your pancreas. And guess what? That's not prosperous, is it? Huh? And you can't buy your healing. You know, there's not enough money to buy healing for that, is there? So prosperity has more to do than just with money. But sometimes you, you start talking money. You've got to talk money a lot of times to get people to, to grab a hold of what you're even saying. God has a lot of things for us to inherit. Now, I'm spending time right there because it will come up more here in just a moment. The inheritance of the saints in light. Now, look at verse 13. This is what I'm trying to get at. Here's what happens. Here's what happens when you're placed into the new covenant, when you believe on Jesus. Who's delivered us from the power of darkness. See, that's where we were outside the covenant of God. We were in the devil's kingdom children of the devil, and we were in the power of darkness and under that power. But when we placed our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit goes into operation. He not only seals us, but He translates us. Say translate. translate. He translates us out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now that's a good deal, isn't it? And that word translate means to move from one place to another. So when we place our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, faster than you can blink your eye, snap your finger, He takes you out of the kingdom of darkness. He takes you from being an uncircumcised Philistine with no hope, without God, and just that quick moves you over into the kingdom of light. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful, isn't it? Fantastic. And then verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now notice, we'll, we'll talk a little more about this. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Notice up there on the screen. says, As in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, you need to realize this. As in Adam all die. Now, what do you have to do to be an Adam? Just be born? Just be born. How many, how many of us have all been born? And if you can't raise your hand, I'm going to check you out and see if you're an alien from outer space. 
We're, all of us in here were born of a woman, weren't we? And when we were born, we were born in Adam. We were born into the kingdom of darkness. We were born a heathen. Now, you do have to understand this. I'm not going to take time much to talk about it, but I do have to say this. There is the grace of God that covers infants. And until someone reaches what is called, I call it the age of accountability, you're covered by the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, and I don't, I'm not going to take an hour to teach and all that, but I just want to say that. So when a little baby dies, they're, they're covered, whether they've been water baptized or christened or not. Can you say amen? amen. It's just like people say about, you know, you've got to be water baptized to be saved. I believe in water baptism and all of that. And the, Jesus commanded it. We need to do it. But you get, saved fo- so f- you get saved, you get saved so fast when you receive Jesus... You don't have time to get water baptized before you get saved because the salvation takes place that quick. Then after you get saved, then go be water baptized. Can you say amen to that? But how do you get in Adam? You just be born. Just be born. And we have no control over that, do we? None. How do you get in the new covenant? How do you get in Christ? You must be born again. Is that good? Do you see how wonderful this covenant is? We were born and, and, and we're born and uh, because of what Adam and Eve did back in the Garden of Eden, they sinned. We were all destined to a devil's hell. But Adam and Eve sinned. Is it, really, is it really fair for us? We didn't, we ain't, like the one kid I was teaching school one day, and I just started staring at him. And I stared at him and stared at him and stared at him for 15 minutes. And he got so nervous. You know, the other kids were working on their homework. And I just was playing joke on him. I just started staring at him. And I just stared at him and stared at him and stared at him. And he started fidgeting. He started fidgeting. He started fidgeting around. And finally, he looked at me. He put his pencil down. Mr. Shield, Mr. Shield, what are you looking at me for? I ain't did nothing. Well, we ain't did nothing, right? Except be born. Is it fair to send all of us to hell because Adam and Eve took a bite out of a piece of fruit? Well, frankly, it is fair. But God didn't leave it that way. That's why He sent Jesus. So we could receive Him as our Savior. Miss Helen, make heaven. Is that wonderful? I ain't did nothing. I ain't did nothing. You didn't get that, did you? That, it's cute, isn't it? So how do you get in Adam? You get in Adam by being what? Now let's start over now. We got time. How do, you, how do you get in Adam? How do you get in Christ? How do you get in Adam? How do you get in Christ? Okay, you got it now. And, uh, and what happens? We are translated from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light. It's a wonderful thing. And by the way, it would be fair for God to send everybody to hell, but he didn't do it. I mean, you realize it would have been just and right on his part to go ahead and send us all to hell. Because we were all in Adam when he sent Is that right? And I'll go you one better. Somebody said, well, if I'd have been there in the Garden of Eden, I wouldn't have ate that apple. Yeah, you, or whatever it was. whatever I don't know if it was an apple or a pear. I don't know. But you would have done it just like Adam did it. And we might have done worse, you know. But God's just so good, isn't he? And frankly, he had a plan. I was thinking about this this morning. He had a plan to save us before we ever sinned. He had a plan to, to bail Adam and Eve out before he ever put him in the garden, didn't he? Because Jesus is known as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But the reason God did it is because he wanted a family so bad. He wanted a family so bad. He wanted you so bad 
that he realized man was going to mess up. So he had a plan before man messed up. He put him in the garden. He messed up. And then right after man messed up, God promised the seed of the woman who's Jesus coming. And then Abraham came some 2,000 years later and cut the covenant. And some 2,000 years later, Jesus came. And now 2,000 years after that, about 6,000 years total, here we are, uncircumcised heathens, born in Adam. But all we have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart. Snap your finger faster than that. We're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Going to miss hell, make heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Fantastic, isn't it? Because God wanted us to be members of his household. Now, here's something else. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit, here, I'm just showing you what happens when you get saved. For by one spirit, notice it, it says we were all baptized. Now, this is not talking about water baptism because who's doing the baptizing here? It's not a preacher, it's the Holy Spirit. One Spirit, by one Spirit, we're all baptized. And I'm all for water baptism, it just won't save you. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into what? One, what body is that? That's the body of Christ. Whether Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, we've all been made to drink into one Spirit. So that's how the, that's talking about the translating. What happens, see, when you get saved, uh, the Holy Spirit, He translates you, he, he seals you, He baptizes. That word baptize means to immerse. He immerses you, He pulls you out of the kingdom of darkness and, and out of the fires of hell, so to speak, because that's where you're, we're all headed without Jesus. And He just moves you over and just seals you right there in the body of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Members of the household of God. Fantastic. Now, let's just look at a few rights of being positioned in the New Covenant. Galatians 3.26. Galatians 3.26, King James Version says, Now, these are right. Now, just a few scriptures on rights, the rights. Remember, there's, new, there's covenant rights. There were covenant, we, remember, we taught you about covenant rights. So, let's talk about some of the covenant rights. First of all, Galatians 3.26, you're all the what? Children of... God by faith in Christ Jesus. By faith in Christ Jesus. That's how you become a child of God. Now, dear friends, that's, think about this. That is an awesome privilege, isn't it? To be a child of God. And to, to members of his household, you become a child of God, you become a member of his household. It happens through faith in Christ Jesus. By grace we're saved through faith. You understand that. In Christ. But when, when we get moved out of the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of God's dear son. And the Holy Spirit seals us. We get born again. However you want to say it. We become children of God. That is a wonderful thing. We go from being children of the devil to being children of God. Fantastic. Good deal. And, and, and when you think about children... You think about inheritance. Do, do not children get the inheritance of the parents? Yes or no? If things are running the way they should. But you understand the concept, right? All right. Remember that. Now look at Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ. Then are you Abraham's seed. And, and, and a lot of times folks will read right over that. But I mean, to become a child of God, to become Abraham's seed, I mean, that's dancing ground there. That, it's, it's, it's exciting because, because that means we don't have to go to hell. It means we get to go to heaven and then all the other benefits that come along with it. It's, just, it's, 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 it's fantastic. If you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs according to the promise. And you get in and you study a little bit about this. What this is really saying is that all that God has is now yours. That's exciting. 
and I, and I, and I, re- I don't think this is real to people as it should be. It's just not real to us. But we need to get a revelation of this. Everything that God has belongs to us. How many of you belong to Christ? You belong to Christ through faith in Him. Then the Bible sees you as Abraham's seed. And if you've been with us for, I spent a whole section back weeks ago, however long it was, on being Abraham's seed. And you become heirs. According to the promise, that means all that God has. Remember in the covenant, when the covenant partners went into covenant, everything that was the ones became the others, and everything that was the others became the other. How many remembers that? And you see, when we get in the covenant with God, we bring nothing. We have filthy rags. That's all we have to offer Him. But, but He offers us a gown of salvation, a robe of righteousness, His name, His armor. I mean, on and on and on and on it goes. Everything that He has becomes ours. He's got a lot of healing. It all belongs to us. See, the thing about healing is you just need to learn how to appropriate it or how to receive it. See, when people don't get healed, it's not because God's holding out on them. It's because they've never learned how to appropriate it. That's as true for you as it is for me. You know what I mean when I say appropriate it? It means receive it. It's like having money in the bank. You can have, have $10 million in the bank, but if you don't know how to go down there and get it out, it's not going to do you any good, is it? And you'll wind up starving and have $10 million in the bank. When people don't get healed, ultimately, it's because they've never learned. It's true for you as it is for me. They've never learned how to appropriately, appropriate, uh, to appropriate it. That means move in appropriation, move in line with the Bible to receive it. God has never held out on anybody, has He? Healing's part of the covenant. It belongs to you. If you die before your time, it's not God's fault, it's your fault. Where'd that come from? I didn't intend to say that. Holy Ghost just came on. You got to get in, you got to dig, you got to study. Now, you can't earn your healing. Somebody say amen. amen. You can't give enough money to buy healing. You can't earn it. But you get into the Word of God and understand how, how it operates. And I tell you what, you stand on the Word of God and you stay till the devil leaves. Bless God, healing belongs to you. It's part of the covenant. Bless God. And you stand on the Word of God till you appropriate that power of God in your body. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. It's, it's, it's a God's honest truth. It's absolutely the truth. And, and I thank God for good hospitals. I thank God for good doctors. I thank God for good medicine. I thank God and I take advantage of them as I need to. Don't misunderstand me. But you see, we get so where we water things down and water things down and water things down. Here's the word of God and here's our experience. Now what in the world are we going to do? Are we going to... to, to suck it up and do what we have to do to bring our experience up to match the word of God or are we going to just start we're down here our experience is down here we can just water it down water it down water it down water it down this don't mean that that don't mean this this don't mean that that don't mean this this don't mean that passed away that went away the last apostle died that don't mean this the last apostle died he must not be in the healing business no aunt Sally didn't get healed God must not be in the so and so hasn't received their healing yet water it down water it down to match our experience that's what has happened you see and what we all need is somebody to stand in the pulpits of America with some guts and say my God it's time for us to stand up in the covenant of God coronavirus on it in Jesus name do you all even know what the coronavirus is anybody heard of it Well, y'all all ought to need, 
y'all need to start listening to the news just a little bit. And not just one channel, but watch that evening news once in a while. Or watch the morning news. Watch uh, Channel 4, Channel 5. Just all you got to do, Channel 4's got something on every morning in your world in 90 seconds. In 90 seconds, they'll tell you everything's going on in the world. And that coronavirus is getting ready to sweep the nation. And I'm telling you, we can, I mean sweep the world, but we can stand against it and stop it. But that's one of the reasons God has me teaching on the covenant of God. It's a covenant of salvation. It's a covenant of prosperity. It's a covenant of healing, bless God. And when that thing would come knocking on our door, we can spit in its eye in Jesus' name. And it doesn't have to be a pandemic here in the United States or anywhere else if we'll stand up against it. Now, where did that come from? Let me tell you what, guys. Help me out when I preach. Help me out when I preach. Don't make it up here when I'm, pre- when I'm preaching like I'm swimming on, on the beach, on the sand, okay? I want to swim in some water. Be some good water to swim in. Can you say amen? Somebody give me a smile. Somebody say amen. My God. Glory to God. How many of you want all that God has for you? All right, well then help me out just a little bit. Smile on the face, say amen once in a while. Some of you do, but others of you bring it up a little bit. What do you say? Glory to God. Thank you, thank you. You don't realize that you don't get the full anointing if if everybody just stands there just said, look, you got it, you got Come on. Do you understand? How would you like to go to the beach and swim on the sand? You want to get out there in the water. Well, be good water for me to swim in, amen? And don't just listen, say amen once in a while. I said, say amen once in a while. I said, say amen once in a while. I said, say amen. Let, hey, let the preacher kick you in the butt once in a while. It's all right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say all that, but I want to get all what God has for us. Amen. I said Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I shouldn't have said but, but I did. So you forgive me, don't you? Backside. Posterior. Derriere. There you go. Pacostaro sabacatalanimi. I warned you, say it, the Spirit of God, some months ago about that virus. Although I didn't call it by name, but that's what I was talking about that was getting ready to rise up. And since the time my servant prophesied it, and most paid no attention to it. One of the reasons, say, God, I don't move more in the midst of my people is they pay little attention to what I'm saying. So be attentive and pay attention. And I'll move more and I'll tell you more what you need to hear. I'll warn you things before they, before they come. So I warned you, though I didn't call it by name, I'll call it by name now. And my servant said there was something arising in the land. And it would be, it hasn't arisen yet, but it was coming on the scene. And be a be a giant but stand in the covenant of God put pressure on the covenant my servant said and it shall not take you down so pay heed to what you hear pay heed to it stand on my covenant put pressure on me saith the Lord for I am well able to stand up under the pressure and, and learn to appropriate what I have for you saith God and all shall be well with thee and thy household. For when you entered into covenant with me, there is an extension of my protection that goes out to you and yours, saith God. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. Glory to God. Now none of that was in my notes. But that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. I said that's what the Paco started out. And I'll tell you right now, there was a, at least one, maybe two people that prayed concerning this service, and I was able to give that out because of those. There were, there were two ladies particularly that prayed concerning this service, and I was able to get, I was, now there may have been more, but I was able to get that out because of the prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. 
I'm all stirred up now. Power of God's strong up here. All right, Romans 2.28. How does one become Abraham's seed? Look at Romans 2.28. He's not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither that circumcision was outward in the flesh. He's a Jew which is one inwardly. Circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit. What happens when you get born again? The Holy Ghost goes, he doesn't, he goes into the operating room. He goes into your heart. He circumcises your heart. And you become a Jew. You can't get to heaven without being a Jew. Explain that, Pastor Terry. You can't get to heaven. See, being a natural Jew won't get you to heaven. The Bible's clear on that. Being a natural Jew doesn't have anything to do with it. It has to do with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The natural Jews have to believe on Him to get saved, just like the heathen, the Gentile, have to believe on Him to get saved. Can you say amen? And when the natural Jew or the Gentile believes on Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost gets his surgical tools out and he goes into operation and he does a circumcision on your heart. He moves you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Can you say amen? In Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, now watch this, if children, I get so excited about this, I could just start beating on something for excitement. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Can you say amen to that? My God, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. That's exciting news, dear friends. And not only that, Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, in Adam, you know, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. You're a child of God. You're seed of Abraham. Remember Jesus saw that woman who was bent over. And she'd been bent over, I think, for 12 years. And he saw her and he said, Should not this, this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan's bound, lo, these however many years it was, be healed. How many remembers that? Oh my goodness, we're a son, we're a daughter of Abraham in Christ. And greater than that, we're a son and we're a daughter of Almighty God. We're an heir of God, we're a joint heir with Christ, praise God. And we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Bless God, hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoo, my gosh. And Ephesians 1.3 says, God's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, in the new covenant, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Verse 21 says that God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. See, these are all benefits of being in the new covenant. My gosh. And Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't get any better than that. And 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come into the new covenant, there's nothing for you except victory. Victory, victory, victory. Glory to God. You can't accuse me of not preaching the good news. This is all good news today. There ain't no bad news here. The only bad news I have is for the devil. And he, he needs it. Galatians 2.20 says, 
the, the apostle writes under the power of the Holy Ghost, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Glory to God. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. In the old covenant, Christ was upon him, but in the new covenant, Christ is in us. Glory to God. Isn't that exciting? That's why the new covenant's better. The old covenant, they just had the anointing. They had Jesus. They had the power of God on them. But bless God, we've not only got the power of God on us, we got the power of God in us. Praise God forevermore. Glory to God. Now I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close by telling you about perhaps one of the greatest covenant figures in all the Bible, yet he gets very little time in teaching, but he should get more. I mentioned him in the first session, but I'm going to close this series with this right here. Mephibosheth. You ever heard of Mephibosheth? He's one of the greatest covenant figures in the Bible. He's a type of you and me. I'm going to talk about everybody's favorite subject right now as I close this. I'm going to talk about you and me. Aren't you your favorite subject? I'm my favorite subject. I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but it ought to be God and it. I'm te- Say the pastor's teasing. I'm just teasing. God's my favorite subject. Then, then my wife. Then me. <laughs> Say Mephibosheth. How many is glad in here you not named Mephibosheth? So if you were named Mephibosheth, we'd have, would we call you Meph or would we call you Fib or would we call you Sheth or Phibby? What would we call you? I don't know. Phibby. If you're a little liar, we'd call you Phibby, right? Say Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Now, he was this, he, now, this type of you and me. I'm talking about you and me. Now, this is, I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost, if you'll get a hold about what I'm going to say in the next five minutes, it'll, it's going to break some things in your life. If you'll grab a hold of it. Now, listen to this. He was a son of Jonathan and a grandson of Saul. King Saul, remember him? Who became king after King Saul? It was David, wasn't it? Well, anyway... Mephibosheth, he was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of King Saul. See, Saul had Jonathan, and then Jonathan, one of his children, was Mephibosheth. All right? Now, David and Jonathan, now we're talking about Mephibosheth, but David and Jonathan made a covenant. Now, Mephibosheth is Jonathan's son, one of his sons. Now, David and Jonathan, so Saul had several sons, but one of them was Jonathan. Anyway, David and Jonathan made a covenant. They came into covenant before Jonathan was killed in battle. Are you with me? David and Jonathan have a covenant. Mephibosheth is Jonathan's son. You got that? David and Jonathan, they got a covenant. And then, Jonathan is killed in battle. Now, Mephibosheth, listen to me, was five years old when the report came that his granddaddy Saul and his daddy Jonathan had been killed. When his nurse, now he's five years old, and the news comes, daddy and granddaddy's dead, Jonathan, my daddy's dead. He's five years old, and... You need to realize that when a king was, was killed, that what they would do is they, the, the descendants would start heading for the hills and hiding because with the king dead, there's going to be a new king coming to power, and that new king is going to have all the descendants of the king that just got killed put to death because that new king doesn't want any of the old king's descendants to rise up and take over the throne. Are you with me? So Mephibosheth, when, when news spreads that Saul is dead and Jonathan is dead, the nurse is 
scared for Mephibosheth's life. And she hears the news and she picks this little five-year-old boy up and she starts heading for the hills running. And as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. She dropped him and he became crippled. He was dropped and crippled as a child due to no fault of his own. I wonder how many of us in here, somewhere in our past, maybe as a child, maybe as a teenager, an adolescent, maybe in our 20s, our 30s, whatever the case, somebody dropped us, maybe a bunch of people dropped us, and we were crippled in some way, shape, form, or fashion, due to no fault of our own. I'm quite confident that there's people under the sound of my voice that you've been hurt, you've been crippled in some way due to no fault of your own. I know in my life there's some things that have crippled me, though not physically, but emotionally, mentally, on the inside where I've been crippled in some way due to no fault of my own. You try pastoring for 25 years sometime, and what Christian, tongue-talking people, some of the mean, nasty things they can do when all you're trying to do is help them. A lot of good people, but a lot of ones that aren't so good. It's all right if I'm just honest. We can all be hurt. We can all be bruised. We can all be injured physically and emotionally. Due to no fault of his own, little Mephibosheth at five years old was crippled. As time passed, David came to power as king. And Mephibosheth every day when he wakes up, no doubt, must be looking over his shoulder wondering, when are the, when's the knock going to come on the door? When are they going to come to take me and kill me because I'm a descendant of Saul? Can you see the fear that would have been in his heart? Never knowing when they're going to come pick me up and kill me. As he's hobbling around the house. David comes to power. And one day he said this. He asked a question to some of his servants. Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? David summoned to have Mephibosheth brought to the palace. Can you imagine the fear when Mephibosheth heard that the king was looking for him? Poor little Mephibosheth. I don't know how old he was. He's probably older than five. He's some years older now. He's still just as crippled, and he's probably shaking in his boots. He referred to himself one time as a little dead dog. Shaking in his boots. I wonder how many of us, if God said, I want to see you after the service, would start. How many of you, if I said to you, I'd like to see you after the service, might even start. I've done that to people, and I had something good to tell them, and I go up to them and say, can I see you after the service? And they'll start. What if God was looking for us? What if you were Mephibosheth? And the king's looking for you, and you know that, hey, I'm a descendant here of Saul. I'm gonna, <laughs> they, want, they want to kill me. Wouldn't that be the thinking that Mephibosheth had? Can you imagine the fear that he had when he heard the king was looking for him? So Mephibosheth arrives at the palace, and they bring him in before King David. And King David says to him, he says, don't be afraid. And then he said this, putting it in my own words. He said, I intend to show you kindness because of my covenant with your father, Jonathan. It had nothing to do with Mephibosheth. It had to do with his daddy. It had to do with covenant. 
I'll give you. And then he says this. He said, don't be afraid, Mephibosheth. I intend to show you kindness because I have a covenant with your daddy. I will give you, now watch this, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here at my table, the king's table, for the rest of your life. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at the king's table like one of the king's own sons. And the Bible goes on, as you read it, to emphasize yet again that Mephibosheth, and the Bible says, Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet. The Bible goes to ex extremes to show us that Mephibosheth, though crippled in both of his feet, the Bible says he lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. So I'm wondering about you and me. Where have we been crippled in our lives in days gone by? Maybe hurt here, hurt there. This one said this, that one said that. We got dropped here. This one dropped us. This one unfriended us on Facebook. This one dropped us here. This one did that. This one did. Who knows what it is? It could go all the way back to when you were five years old like Mephibosheth. But where have we been dropped? Where have we been hurt? And God says, I want to see you. I want to talk to you. We start. Like Mephibosheth. But you see, he had a covenant with Jonathan. And that covenant was not just between David and Jonathan, but it went to all their descendants. Now I've taught you about this. It went to all their descendants. And Mephibosheth, as crippled as he was, was able to pull up a chair at the king's table and eat with the king. And so it's true with you and me, no matter how hurt we've been, no matter how offended we've been, no matter how, how, how devastated we've been, whether physically or whether emotionally, whatever the case, we have a covenant with Almighty God that he cut with Abraham all those years ago. And Jesus was the result. And Jesus came forward. And we receive him. And we enter into covenant with Almighty God. It's called the new covenant. Glory to God. And guess what? With all our crippledness, with all our defects, with all our flaws, with all our faults, with all everything that's not right about us yet, glory to God, we can because of that covenant, because of the blood of Jesus, we get to, we have the legal right to pull. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Christ. We're seated with him in heavenly places. We have a place at God's table, not at David's table, at God's table. And we get to pull up to God's table as crippled as we are. Pull right up there. Bless God. Anytime we want, come boldly to the throne of grace. Praise God. We pull up to the table and we start eating. Can you say Amen. Glory to God. He's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemy. Glory to God. Why? Because we've got a covenant with Almighty God. Praise God. Can you say amen? Woo, I preach myself plum happy. Stand with me if you would. Woo, glory to God. Ah. We took some turns there I didn't know we were going to take, but that's all right. Did you get anything out of it? Did you get energized a little bit? Good, 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 good. Praise God forevermore. Usually right now I'd apologize for getting a little rambunctious there in the middle of the message, but I'm not going to apologize. I believe that's what the Holy Ghost was saying. Hallelujah. Now, if you don't realize, if you haven't listened to the news, I realize there's a lot of bad stuff on the news, but we need to know what's going on in the world. And, and if you just listen to CNN, Fox, MSNBC, if you just listen to those or there's some other ones, you don't always get all what's going on in the world. It would do you good, and, and I'm, not, I, I'm not propagating the news, I'm just saying... 
it, you need to know what's going on in the world. And, and so start listening. Find you a, a good program where you can listen maybe two, three minutes in the morning or sometime during the day. And at least like the evening news. We, we tape the evening news on CBS and we'll watch. Sometimes we just watch the first where they give the highlights. And really, that's all you need. But you got to know what's going on in the world, dear friends. There's a virus that started in China. And it's been sweeping through China. And it's gone to other places. And I believe that's what the Holy Ghost was talking about. All, I, I didn't know anything about it when I prophesied that. And, and I assume that's what the Holy Ghost was talking about. <clears throat> So I prophesied that before I knew any of this was going on with this coronavirus. And they say <clears throat> that it, 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 it could be a pandemic and it could even sweep the United States. So, and it's a flu-like thing. It's not the stomach flu where you throw up. It's a, the, uh, like, you know, the, the people get it. It respiratory and they, they can't breathe and then they die. There's thousands and thousands of people dead already of it. <clears throat> so we've got a covenant with God. Now, now I assume that's what the Holy Ghost was talking about. Now maybe there could be something else. I don't know, but it seems like that's what it is. I can miss it. But he'd have me teach. Do you think, I don't think it's too far-fetched that the Holy Ghost had assigned me to teach on covenant. Starting the first of the year. And tell me to teach on it, and, and, and now I've got the release now. To, this is the last session on it today. We'll move on with something else next week. But, but I believe, see, can't you see the orchestration of the Holy Ghost? And, and it's a covenant of many things, but it's a covenant of healing. And so knowing what we know, just knowing half of what we know, we, we, we ought to be able to stop that thing from coming to the United States. Now, it's already over here. You need to know that. It's already over here. But they've got it quarantined. But they, you know, they say it could, it could slip out and this and that and the other and so forth. And the thing about it is some people, they don't have symptoms and it can be, be transferred, see, to other people. But you know what? Praise God. We've got the anointing of the Spirit. So here at Summit Church in Fenton, let's do our, let's play our part this morning as we close this up on covenant. Now, I can't, I, 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 I can do very little about what goes on in the rest of the world, but I'm a taxpaying citizen here in the United States, so I have authority here. So you, you get in agreement with me. And let, I tell you what, let's all... Now, now, if you don't agree with it, then just stand there and don't say anything. That's fine. But if you agree with, with, with me, if you've got confidence in me, let's speak. Let's say as a church, one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put a 10,000 to flight. There's power and agreement. Let's speak to this thing in the name of Jesus. You okay? Let's as a church do our part. I trust other churches will do their part, but let's do our part. And let's speak to this thing. Now, let's just see here. Let's just do this. Let's make it more real to us. Uh, uh, China is in the east, isn't it? it, it it's, it's in the east, east of here. Is that right? Am I right? Help me out. So let's see. I, 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 know, I, know, I know this is, this over here is, is, is south, and this is north, and I know that's east, isn't it? And west is behind me, right? So let's all turn, so turn around and let's, let's, let's speak to the east. Now, a little point of humor here. It'd be something if I had to preach to you right now, will you look in the other way? You can have a little humor in the middle of something like this now. So don't ever stand like this when I'm preaching to you, okay? <laughs> all right. Now, I'll, I'll say it and you repeat it after me. In the name of Jesus, we speak to you, coronavirus, and we command you 
to stay off our shores. And what has come abroad, you stay quarantined. In the name of Jesus, we curse you. We rebuke you. You will not come nigh our dwelling. You will not come nigh our dwelling. And in the event that it, you would slip through somehow, You'll not come nigh us. You'll die within 10 feet of our presence. In Jesus' name, so be it. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. We thank you for the covenant that you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you need pr oh, if you need prayer, people up here to pray with you otherwise, we'll see you next time. God bless you.